So we had a uh, um, during your relationship story. We had you had talked about uh, making compromises for your wife and she making compromises for you. Right. Uh, how important do you? Th- uh, obviously, you think that's very important. Yeah. Uh, what what drives you? What drove you to be to have that as a as a centerpiece for you? Compromise. Uh, I I mean I think that's just that's a life lesson uh i feel like that's just the way that um people should be willing to operate and function in their lives and especially if it's someone that you are sharing life with um it can't be can't be a one-sided thing so um that's just always what i i wanted to be able to always give as much as i'm taking Mm -hmm. from someone else in a relationship um and so it's and it's hard like she but but my wife gives so much to me and my career um it's not easy what I do uh, for anyone in theater. Uh, relationships mm-hmm. in theater don't always go together. They're hard um, because the theater, uh, the lifestyle and the schedule is so demanding um, oftentimes that relationships are hard to make work. And so she continually gives and and makes compromises of her daily schedule in order for me to do what I love to do. Uh, and to be in rehearsals until 10 o'clock at night and to, you know, have long weekends and to be at the shows when they're happening and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 not easy, but you have to be intentional. I feel like we have to be intentional about uh, how we spend our time together and, and how we, you know, and I've, I have two daughters as well. And, and again, just making sure that uh, my family is is uh, a huge part of what I do. And without them, I couldn't do what I do. Mm. Um, but in turn, I need to make sure that I'm giving them time uh, that they need as well from me. So how do you balance that aspect of being a uh, a present father, but also being the artistic director of, of this yeah. growing company? Yeah. And being someone who's wired to, to work nonstop. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's, I say my, my hand was kind of forced when I got married and when I had children, meaning that prior to that, I it wasn't uncommon for me to just go days without stopping, um, you know, and and to just work and work and work and work. That was my relationship, mm. uh, you know, before I before I was married. My relationship was my work, and so I spent every minute with that. Um, and then so uh, when I got married, I, my my hand was kind of forced to change my priorities, uh, and it was something I willingly did. I wanted to. Um, and same thing with having kids. Like all of a sudden I had things, other things that I wanted to do be, that I wanted to be my relationship other than my work. Um, so it took time to figure out our system. Um, you know, it, t- it took a lot of crashing schedules and things like that. Now we've been doing it for some time. We've been married for 12 years and, and I've been with Servant Stage for five, over five years um, that we're able to sort of figure out her schedule. She teaches dance, my schedule. Um, we, We've worked. We're both kind of create our own schedules, so we're able to say, okay, I know that Mondays and Wednesdays I've got the girls. Tuesdays and mm-hmm. Thursdays you got this, and the Sundays we do this. Saturdays family. Um, so we we had to intentionally schedule it, and we're able to look at the whole calendar. I, I usually step away and I look at a whole year. I don't just look at like a oh, week. Wow. I look at a whole year because there's seasons that stink. Uh, there's seasons <laughs> where where I crash with work so bad, like I, I you know during a tech week. Right or, or yeah. whatever you know, mm-hmm. a rehearsal or there's two shows going on at once or something like that. That if I just look at that in the moment, I would throw my hands up and say I can't do this. Um, so I have to look at my whole season, my whole year, and say okay. And I, I sit, you know, I show my wife and I say, "This look here, look look at this four weeks here. That's gonna stink." But then yeah. look right after it, it calms down a little bit. So we'll have a couple weeks there where I'll be home more, and then it might stink again for a little bit, and then it's this. It helps us manage, like, and, and communicate it, and, and understand that, like, they're all going to be seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, without fail, we get to the the nice seasons where I'm home for like two weeks straight, and then I get a bunch of grief from her and the and the girls saying, like, "You have to go back to rehearsals right. now." <laughs> so, as much as we plan it, we still, um, you know, we still give each other guilt about about all of it. But uh, again. And and even what her position is not for everybody either. You know, mm. she her heart is, she loves being home and taking care of the girls. She loves teaching dance. Um, I know there's things that, uh, you know, that there's probably missing from her life or that she would maybe want to do as well. Um, but she supports me 100%. Uh, and, um, yeah, so uh, I I couldn't do it without her allowing me to do it. 
Do your uh, how old are your girls? Eight and three. Eight, so, eight going on twenty, right. and three going on ten. <laughs> right. So, um, how uh, how big of a fan are they of your work? Do they ever get a chance to be a part of the shows at all, or? I don't know that they fully understand. Like, it must be, I, I, I wouldn't know, but it must be so strange growing up in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they don't know anything else. So so they they have always been around the shows and the rehearsals and everything, and they like seeing them. And Joanna, my eight-year-old, uh, tells me what she d- likes or doesn't like. <laughs> um, I know if it's a ballad, she's bored. Uh, so if, if anything moves too slowly for her, she's she's bored and wants to leave. Um, so she needs the up-tempo dance. She loves Newsies, though. She can't wait to come see Newsies. Um, uh, and then Juliet is is definitely high energy as well. Joanna tells me, and she's going to hear this, she told me she was going to brag to her friends today that I was on the radio. Um, but she uh, swears that she's not going to be in theater. Um, she's very shy, and she, uh, she, she, but she's good at it. She's a good singer. She's a good dancer. Uh, she's definitely an actress. Um and loves drama, uh, so uh, but she uh she she gets very shy. So we'll catch her. I'll catch her dancing or something in the in the in the living room, and if she knows I'm there, she stops and shuts the music off. Um, but who knows? I was very shy as a kid too. So uh, yeah. we'll we'll see. And then Juliet, I think, is a firecracker. I think she'll I think she'll be be in it uh, pretty quickly if she can. Yeah, it's it's always funny uh, finding shy musicians. Because even when I'm like practicing piano or whatever, and someone walks in, I just immediately stop. Yeah, and they're like, "You can keep playing." I'm like, "No, yeah. <laughs> I'm good." <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's an interesting dynamic always. And again, I that was kind of how I was my whole career. I was never one for <clears throat> for a great deal of attention. I liked being on stage, mm. but I liked it because of the energy in the room and everything like that. I wasn't doing it to be received by the audience, right? Uh, necessarily, so. That's an interesting dynamic. Maybe because we stop performing when someone walks in, it's because we're not doing it for an audience. It's because we do it because we love it. Yeah, there's not footlights there to separate you yeah. and, the, and the audience. That can be very, uh, very uncomfortable for some performers, even. Yeah, that's it's. I, I consider myself an uh, introvert, um, and doing Shrek was a lot of fun. But I, I was never, I never really had that stage fright. Granted, I had, uh, I was, you know, in the outhouse during. Uh, if, have you ever seen yep. Shrek the Musical? Yep. It, the first big number is like one of the most high energy pieces, at least when Adult Shrek comes out. Yeah. So I just had that moment just to prep myself and bang and go out and do it. Yeah. So that was that was that was definitely helpful. Yeah. But it, it is nice to have that distance between you and the audience. Right. That sort of separation. That's why a lot of performers don't audition don't audition well because mm. uh, it's there's no they're not on stage. There's not a separation there. You're kind of right <laughs> up and and, and it's and, not black out there you right, can actually right. see, you see everything yep you see yep. every you see their faces and you're like i don't like this it's at all. true it's very different very can be very uncomfortable uh what is some advice you would give to people for auditioning that maybe have those kind of fears yeah uh, auditioning is so tricky um everything about this business is tricky it's a subjective business mm-hmm. uh you know where, where we are our worst critics uh we put so much we, we put so much um value in the opinions of others uh and and sometimes that's you know the the determining factor of whether we get paid or not is because of the opinions of someone else it's not factual we can't point to something and say i didn't do this therefore i didn't get hired it's not that cut and dry Mm -mm. it's so so we get stuck in our own heads and our our own self-critique um and it it usually paralyzes us uh or makes us second guess all of it um so uh when I tell, uh, you know, I, I teach young performers and I work with a lot of young performers and my goal is always to try to get them to um, control what they can control and not mm-hmm. worry about what they cannot control. Uh, again, it's a life lesson, uh, easier said than done. Right. But you can only control what you can control. Uh, and know that if you love to do this, there's a spot for you in this business. Um, there is. There's so much theater. There's so much. So many. The arts are are back in a big way. I know in the in the uh, '90s and, and early 2000s, the arts were in the country were suffering quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of funding being pulled, and and uh, there just wasn't a lot of, of money going towards the arts. But they've they've resurfaced in such a big way in the country um, that you can do it anywhere, and you can do it uh, if if you want to do it. 
So it's just finding your place uh, and trusting that you'll get there. And the way that I think you get there is by being yourself. Uh, mm. The most, an, the, 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 my biggest pet peeve <clears throat> when people come in audition is, I don't want to see you put on. Like I don't want to see you pretend pretend to be something that you think that I want to see or whatever. Um, I want to see the real person. I want to know who I'm about to be working with. Mm -hmm. Talent is one of the last things I look at when I'm when I'm casting or deciding who I want to work with. Obviously, I want to know that there's some sort of investment from them in the craft. Right. Uh, I want to know that they're actively working on their voice or or their dance skills or their acting skills. But I can peg that pretty quickly. Um, so when I make a list of the things that I look for, you know, I did this for, for my students the other day. Um, I made a list from top to bottom, and at the top was things like discipline, work ethic, mm. kindness, being genuine, uh, you know, personality, um, heart, uh, energy, fun. Uh, and then at the bottom I had singing, acting, dancing. Because um, all, all that can be accomplished with those discipline yeah. and work, yeah. work ethic and and i spent you know spending you, you you're spending a, a rehearsal process with someone just it's like bringing someone into your house um right you 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 get you you work together you laugh together you cry together you're uncomfortable together you're irritable with each other mm -hmm. like all of those things those personalities come out so right off the bat i want to know that they're going to be someone that i can get that that i can be happy with and laugh with and cry with and be irritable with mm -hmm. um and, and i, I and if, if you're not showing me your real self when you walk in that room, then that means I have to navigate through that at some point. Like, why right. not just show it to me right away and show me what I'm dealing with? Because um, that's what I want to know is your personality. So hopefully when I tell people that, that it takes some pressure off of them because being something you're not is hard, mm -hmm. right? That's what's exhausting. And that's usually what create nerves. Nerves are, are often created in those instances because you're, trying to do something that's not you right um, and a lot of people think that's what acting is well yeah there's technique in that and how you train and how you attack a character but just in terms of employment employer employee relationship you just got to be yourself right uh so i always just say like stop the act walk in and show me who you are uh and that i want to work with you and then we'll figure out where you fit like then I'll see where your strengths are and what I think your strengths are. But um, so that's that's probably the biggest thing uh, that I always want to tell people when they're coming into audition. And then I also want to tell them just forget it when you're gone. Like forget it when you're done, because don't try to don't try to analyze or figure out what I'm gonna, what I'm thinking or what I'm going to do because mm -hmm. it's subjective. Right. Um, so don't let don't let auditioning for me and me not casting you be a reason that you stop doing this, right? You're well, here because you love doing this. Right. You've got a fire. And artists are weird. We have this fire in us that makes us kind of kind of different, right? But it's in there and you can't get rid of it. Like, so you, you don't want to put out that fire. So know that one experience isn't going to, shouldn't stop you from doing what you love. That's, that's that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's a lot to process. Actors, acting is tough. They go through so much and they go through so much emotion. Oh, yeah. It's, it's an exhausting uh, thing to do, but we do it because we love it. Um, mm -hmm. And I love when people love it. You can just tell. You can tell when someone's passionate about it. And, uh, you know, you, you just you know, I always want to care for actors and say, like, just take care of yourself and, again, control what you can control and don't try to figure out what they're thinking behind the table because you never know. Is that is that uh, an answer to the question? What is one mistake actors constantly make? Yeah, uh, they try too hard to be something they're not. They try too hard to um, put on for a director or try to figure out what a director wants, and then try to do that. You don't know, you know. Be yourself. So let's flip that to the director <laughs> aspect. What is what is one mistake that directors will often make? Yeah, uh, you know, people people ask sometimes like what how my direct what my directing style was or how I created came up with my directing style. And I, I um, when I was performing for many years, I spent that time watching and listening the people I was working with, whether it was other actors or stage managers or production managers or directors or choreographers. Mm. And I would soak in and take in all of the experiences and say, well that didn't feel very good. So therefore I'm going to remember that mm -hmm. how I feel right now 
and I'm going to try to never do that to somebody. And then somebody else would come along or I'd have an experience and I'd be like, I really feel valued. I really feel good about that. What did they do that made me feel that way? I'm mm. going to try to do that when I work with people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, that's uh, taking the long way to get to the answer. That's sort of how I have come up with the way that I direct. And it's it's just by taking all the experiences and trying to weed it out and, and take all the good experience and try to use them so that I know how the actors are feeling. I think a great director is someone who has lived it uh, as an actor. Um, mm. A great director loves actors. If you think that you are separate from the actors, that you're here and the actors are here, um, you won't have a, a trust, uh, a, a complete trust with the actors. Trust to me goes goes uh, east and west. Yep. Um, and so it's it's putting yourself in with the actors and having communication that goes sideways and not not up and down. Um, I think that uh, directors tend to hold too tightly onto their own ideas um, and their mm. own um, sort of agendas or, or vision, uh, vision uh, when it's, again, it's a similar compromise that makes a great production. Um, I could easily walk into a rehearsal hall and tell everybody exactly what to do and how to do it. And I might get a, I might get a cool picture. I might get a, um, a, a good, a clean production, but it won't have any heart. Right. Um, it'll miss, plastic. it'll miss the, the, the heart of the story. Um, you've, you can tell when you go watch shows, you can tell if the actors are enjoying it or not. Right. Uh, you can tell if they're invested in the story and if they have, if they feel like they're, they're an important part of the process, you can tell that by watching. Uh, and so that's what I always want actors to know um, is that they are an active part of the creation of that piece of that story um, and I'll always have an idea when I go in but the first thing I always do when I block a scene uh, is I'll I'll say we're just gonna let's play just say the lines and just do what you feel mm. um, and I'll just kind of go blank canvas and a lot of times they stand there and do nothing and they, and they <laughs> might say like just tell me what to do Wally but but a lot of times also they'll do something and I'll be like that moment was fantastic. Forget what I was thinking there. Like that works already. So let's build around that. Um, I always want them to feel like they are actively involved in the creation process of it. So yeah, I think that can be a, a pitfall for, for directors um, is to uh, not let go of, of your plan going in and forcing it on people. If it, even if it doesn't work, um, you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to, and flexible and uh, we talked about it earlier. Uh, you have to work with what's in front of you and play right. to their strengths. You can't, uh, you know, you could, I, I could be going to choreograph a piece, but I'm not going to go in and say, you know, if I've got people who don't take dance, have never taken dance, and yet in my head I want triple pirouettes happening yep. across, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all over the place, I'm not going to go in and be like, you will do this, right? We'll never get something like that. I have to go in and be like, okay, well, clearly that's not going to work. What will work to make them look good? and for them to feel good about what they're doing on stage. Uh, and then we find that together. So moving into the choreographer role, uh, what are some of the, the biggest challenges choreographers, choreographers have to face uh, beyond just uh, what can people do? Yeah, that's just, that's just it. It's knowing, it's knowing uh, because you have a wide variety of people that you're working with in one dance number. Mm. You know, you have to... <clears throat> Be able to. Uh, you can't just focus on the dancers, right? Because you've got a lot of other people to do it. So you have to be able to focus on the whole picture and be like, how can I bring out these people? But then, how can I still make it interesting for these people? And what can they do that can sort of weave in and out of this, uh, but not make them look you know, or, or feel foolish or uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that situation? So you're always thinking and you're always looking at the big picture. <clears throat> you also have the challenge of. I like to direct and choreograph, but if you are a choreographer working with a director, you have to make sure you're on page with the vision, with right. their vision of the story. You can't just go in and say, this is my vision for the number. It doesn't, you know, and without ever having asked the director what their story is or what their vision is. Right. Because then you get like a completely different show mm-hmm. and the audience gets seasick, like not knowing which story to follow. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot of communication and intentionality of still delivering the story. You're not, as a choreographer, you're not just teaching dance you're supporting the story through mm. movement. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's not just showing tricks and 
um, you know, cool, cool moves. Things, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm always actor first. Uh, I don't care what you can do as a dancer. If you're not telling me a story, right. It, it doesn't matter. It's movement uh, with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It has to have a purpose. It has to support the overall story. Cause uh, uh, otherwise it can look a little silly. One of the, the quotes that I've heard is, um, in regards to like musical theater, when, uh, dialogue isn't enough, it's, it's music. Yeah. When music isn't enough, it's dance. Right. And uh, that I feel like that quote really uh, puts it in perspective yeah. of, okay, if it can't be, if it's too much to say in dialogue, it has to be sung. Right. And if it's too much to sing, it has to be done through dance sure. to show it. And um, one of, we were talking uh, about his pre-show, uh, one of the most unique choreo- choreograph- choreographical positions you've been in was at Sight and Sound, right? Where they have a 180 stage. Do you know the square footage of their stage at all? I just say massive. It's ma. It is <laughs> gigantic. You can sit in the uh, like in the front rows of the seats and look to your left in their stage and look to the right and then there's more stage. Yeah. And, um. So, what was it like choreographing for uh that big of a stage and for that big of a cast? Uh, yeah, at first it was completely foreign. Um, it was very intimidating. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's different styles of choreographers and directors, some who are very organic and will go in and sort of uh, not wing it. They have an idea. Well, there's probably some who wing it also, (laughs) but there's, uh, you know, they might have an idea, but they maybe haven't, uh, it's just the idea. And so they get there and they kind of, yeah, they kind of, oh, let's try this and let's try this. Um, and there's times where, I can do that, but but not there. <laughs> right? No, not um, no. So maybe with a smaller cast or a smaller setting, but but there it was uh, the only way I could succeed. There was to go in with with my charts. <laughs> they all knew that I, I I had charts going in, you know, but still on paper and X's all over the place because there's just too many people to try to to go free flow to to, to try to. So I was always planning and, and trying to put people in the best place to succeed and and who would look good, you know, next to like who's opposite on the bookends. You know, I, I really thought it was very intentional about thinking of like how where each person would look good um, and where they would where they would fit best and play to their strengths best. But it took a lot of time on paper. It took going into, um, you know, when we we're creating the shows, going and playing on the sets. So I'd go downstairs and, and work on the sets and see what were steps and where I could have people dancing and um, how they moved and and uh, again meeting with the directors to get all the visions of the shows. Um, I would go I would go try on costume pieces to see how they moved. Really? Uh, yes, there's some great photos and footage I'm sure somewhere of me you know floating around the basement and, and some <laughs> of the flowing costumes but but it helps it when you because yeah. it's time the time there too it's like a machine mm. um so i my i figured out pretty quickly that i never wanted to go in and i always wanted to get it right the first time right um i you don't want the actors sitting around going well is it this or is it this you know again that's part of me having lived the actor experience mm-hmm. is knowing that uh, that their time is valuable and that they want you to tell them and they don't want there to be a lot of back and forth and they don't want to be figuring it out in the 11th hour. So out of respect for the actors, I always try to go in with a plan that's going to be 90% right the first time. Might have to fudge it a little bit, might have to tweak a little bit here, mm-hmm. clean a little bit there, change something here or there. But the bones of it are all pretty much right. That um, is that is one thing I learned from uh, performing my senior recital Uh as a composition major and dealing with like the COVID thing during 2021 was uh, a lot to deal with. I had original songs, uh, original compositions, original, well, it's all my music. Yeah. So it's all original. Uh, but, uh, I had the, like theatrical acts that I had for my own musical, um, songs with like choirs and then like quartets and dance stuff. And oh my gosh, how much I wished I had actually like planned that out and told the people what was going to sure, happen. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because it, it was a little bit of a a little bit of a train wreck. You wouldn't have known having uh, like sat down and watched it, but yeah. backstage it was like, what do we do? What's happening? Yeah. The and the whole pre rehearsal before was like, what are we doing? What what's ha- yeah. what's happening this yeah. time? It's like oh my goodness, how much I I thought 
it's crazy how much you think you have control of a situation. You're right. And then it just zoom, gone yeah. and nobody knows what's happening. Yeah. So it, it's one of the biggest things I learned was to, you have to plan out everything and you have to tell everybody well yeah, in advance. Yep. Communication is very important for the choreographer. Is it mainly only numbers or they, do they also work with blocking? Uh, I, I did a lot of work with blocking there. I remember doing it. Um, I think it was when we were doing Moses. Um, that the director and I were working pretty closely together. Uh, and there was just a lot of, uh, even some of the scenes there are just, everybody's out there and there's, right. they all have to be placed somewhere and the energy has to be you know focused on where the storytelling is and all of that. Um, For those who don't know, blocking is, is where are the actors yeah. in the Pacific spot and what are they doing? Are they, are they exchanging information? Are they doing like, you know, side conversations are they buying something from a seller or yeah stuff like that yeah and i, I it, it tended to be a strong suit of mine was was being able to play some of those larger scenes so it wasn't uncommon for a director to say you know I'll, i'm going to go talk to these uh to some of the principals down here can you go um you know make a picture up there and, and work on that a little bit and we mm -hmm. kind of divide and conquer and things like that so um yeah it was always uh, it's always a challenge but 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 really rewarding a really rewarding experience and trust me, it took a lot of time to figure out how to sure. how to work that that space there. It's it's not an easy uh, an I easy space. I don't envy the people. <laughs> um, did you have ever have to worry about animals? Oh yeah, photography. Absolutely, uh, constantly, constantly. Whether it's the actual animals or what the animals leave behind, right. uh, you're yeah. always <laughs> you're always worrying about it. Uh, you're always kind of putting in a contingency plan. Uh, for for what the actors need to do and and uh, if they need to get out of the way or something like that. So yeah, uh, certain animals or there's birds flying around. It's it it's it's ridiculous uh, the amount of attention, you know, the amount of departments speaking into um, the the shows there. But uh, yeah, I definitely have to have to think about the animals as well. So is there ever like a if an animal does X, Plan B? Or is it just keep going and try your best to avoid it? Yeah, they do some safety protocol and things like that. They always want to make sure that the actors right. have, uh, know kind of where to be looking and and um, uh, which animals you know would potentially be temperamental. And, Science or, Sound does a very good job with integrating the actors with the animals. Yeah, they and, do a great and job, and they take really good care of their animals as Absolutely. well. But Absolutely, but animals are always going to be unpredictable. Right, right. So they, yeah, they 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 train them, but but uh, there's always a rogue bird here or there or or something like that so um yeah they're always always on their toes always looking they, they do take it very seriously and they want to make sure that everybody's safe so um what is one of the funnier moments from your career <laughs> i just had this conversation with with uh, my my company students the other night i was trying to tell them to <coughs> to take a break and remember to not take themselves too seriously because um, a lot of actors do that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was thinking, I, I was I was sharing with them some moments from my career that at the time I probably took way too seriously, and looking back, they were hilarious. Um, and I was like, why why was I so serious about that? It was hilarious. If I saw it now, I would be in, in hysterics. Mm -hmm. uh, probably the most embarrassing one was on the national tour of a Christmas uh, a Christmas story. I mean, uh, Christmas Carol, um, the same one where I met my wife and mm. my wife and I were actually dance partners. We were the dancing dolls, which is just as creepy as it sounds. Yeah. Um, it was two life-size dolls come to life to do a little dance in the opening number. And so we had, I had like a little boy, a, a boy blue costume on, but our masks were just pure white. And oh, wow. the only thing that holes that we had were uh, around our eyes. But even that was like limiting. They were like really little eyes, so like I, you can't, you know, you can't see too much through them. You can't see any in the peripheral. It's all just what's right in front of you. Mm. And so we're doing our dance number, and I had a little trumpet in my hand, in one hand, and doing the dance number and leaps or kicks or whatever. And as an actor, you know the feeling of like stitches ripping. Oh, um, you just you just know that feeling, and you don't know how bad it is, but you, you every actor knows that feeling. Of like something where like oh I think I think I popped a stitch you know in my sleeve or something like that. Uh, this was in my pants um, and I uh, was doing so all these turns or whatever and I could feel that it was ripping um, 
and it was basically, and I was like, I don't know how bad it is. And it ends with me doing like these turn, fast turns. And so through the little eyes, all I could see was imagine spinning in circles and seeing mm-hmm. actors looking at you with this look on their face that is like, I'm going to lose it because oh. you don't know what you look like right now. <laughs> and the song ends with a frozen pose with the little trumpet like up to my mask mouth and my other arm at my side. And sure enough, my pants were split like wide open. Um, like front to back, they oh, were no. they were split, um, and I had to stand there for another like minute or two before <laughs> like walking off stage. Uh, yeah, it was in Columbus, Ohio. I, I I said to the students the other day, it's like that moment of like, where were you when this happened in history? It's like, where were you that day that you split your pants in front of right. a thousand people? I was in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> uh, and I'll never forget it. And that's. That was one of those moments I couldn't get off stage fast enough, but luckily it didn't happen again. They sewed my pants and That's and good. we were good to go. Did you? Uh, <laughs> what was one of the biggest blocks or busts that you ever had to deal with? Like, did you ever have to uh, deal with rejection at all? But did that was that ever a serious thing for you? Uh, it, it's it's a part of life for every actor, uh, for every theater person. <clears throat> again, going back to the conversation about. About it being such a subjective mm-hmm. thing, um, rejection is is a um, is just a natural part of what we do. Uh, meaning we uh, fail more than we succeed in theater. Right. If you're an actor, you fail far more than Way you more. succeed because you audition ten times a day, you know, whatever, ten times a week, and you might get one gig. Mm-hmm. And that's ten percent. I yeah. mean, it's that's failing ninety percent of the time. Like, so when you think about the numbers, I, I actually tell people the numbers to try to encourage them and to not, to realize that it's okay. Yeah. Um, that it's a natural part of this <clears throat> because most people succeed only 10% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things you have to learn about and embrace mm-hmm. uh, as part of the experience and not fear. Um, none of us like it. Right. Uh, and it and if if the voice in our head tells us that it's not okay, uh, and makes us doubt everything that we're doing, but if we can ignore the voice in our head, um, especially if it's the one looking backwards, uh, we'll be we'll be much better off. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I don't have one specific time that I, I got rejected because there were too many to count. Too many to count. Uh, gotcha. You know, it was it was always there. It was always present. I've had horrible auditions. Uh, I've had horrible auditions where I've gotten the gig, and I've had amazing auditions where I haven't. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of always the way it goes. You nail an audition, and you're like, I got this in the bag, and then you never hear from it. Right. And then you, like, trip and kick over a table in a dance call or drop someone in a, in a partnering <laughs> section, and you get a call, and you're like, wait, what? Right. Like, Are you sure you have the right person? Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tricky and funny business, uh, but... Uh, rejection is definitely just a part of it. So being a Christian now, yeah. Um, this is something I like to ask a lot of Christians. What do you consider worship? Uh, uh for me, it's a couple things. Um, I mean, I, 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 I try to be intentional about multiple types of worship uh, in my life. Um, I try to be invested and intentional about corporate worship. Um, mm. So I try to, you know, of course, I, you know, I attend church and. I try to make sure that I, that that is a reminder for me that I am part of a, a big something bigger than myself. I'm part of a body um, of believers when it comes to you know uh, corporate worship, um, and so that's that's important to me to feel connected with others uh, who believe the same thing. Um, and then for uh, an individual or private, you know, for me, um, it's. It's at the end of the day thanking the Lord and and speaking to the Lord about my successes and failures of that day. Um, I try not to go longer than a day without acknowledging that my successes are not from the Lord and without uh, acknowledging that my failures, I need help from the Lord mm-hmm. or I need direction from the Lord. And that to me is, that that's, that's how I worship. That's how I uh, make sure that that relationship is present and active um, is that I don't let any success go longer than a day because then I start to think of it as my own success. Mm. Um, 
and and if it's a failure, I think I I start to think of it anything longer than a day. I start to think of it as um, something that's wrong with me, uh, and so that's that's how I, that's kind of how I view worship uh, in my life. Cool. So, uh, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? <laughs> everything. Everything. A- absolutely everything. I talk to the I talk to my students as if I've you know they they think they think I speak to them as if I've always known it and what they don't know and what I try to tell them is that they're so much further along than I was. There's so they have so much more information at their fingertips. <coughs> they're so much smarter than I was. They're so much more hungry for it than I was. Um, yeah, I I I I was really lucky in my career. Uh, I I really had great fortune and opportunity. Um, and I, and I consider it a success, um, whether it was my work or, um, just being at the right place at the right time. I don't look back and say there was a lot I would have done differently or, or that I, that I wish I would have known. I did it the best I could and it helped form the person that I am now. Um, win, lose or draw, like whether I was, mm-hmm. a fi- well, whether I was doing it well or doing it terribly. Um, that's how you learn and that's how you grow. So I know people like to hear like so, I know that's a common question anytime right. you're talking to somebody, um, but I'm 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 still learning. Uh, I don't I still don't know all the answers, and so I'm still learning what I wish I knew. <laughs> right, like I'm you know I'm still learning every day something that I wish I knew yesterday, um, and usually it's from people who are are younger and less experienced than than I am uh, that teach me those things. So. Um, it's not, uh, hopefully it's not a cop out to the, to the question. No, not at all. Um, but I, I, I'm really happy with, with my path, uh, and with all that's poured into, poured, poured into it. And I continue to be proud of that path and, uh, continue to, to not want to change it. Yeah. It, it's super, there's, uh, I think it might've been Leslie yesterday, uh, that had said that her naivety, naivete had really helped her a lot. Uh, because it, had she had known what was what was the theater life, what right. was the film life, she would have never tried it. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it uh, not knowing is, you know, you could just tell yourself, "Hey, don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll figure it out." <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that, and I I think that the way I got to where I am now was unconventional. Like I said, I kind of tripped into it, mm-hmm. stumbled into it. And who knows if I had come in with a wealth of experience prior to that moment, it may have never happened. You know, I may have given up or, or quit, but it was so fresh and so sort of impulsive uh, that I just never stopped and looked back. So, so what? How is? Um, what is one way that you have found your faith challenged throughout your career, or since when yeah. you started having your faith? Yeah, I mean, faith and faith and and theater are aren't something that always aren't two things that always go together. Um, and again, I'm, I feel people in, in Lancaster don't realize how good they have it. Um, <laughs> you know, when you're in a, um, I say this a lot when, when people come to me and complain about another theater company in Lancaster, um, because if you're in, if you're in anywhere else in the country, if you're in a town that has that one community theater, um, then you find those actors giving up, a, compromising a lot more of their own belief systems and, and core beliefs and things like that because that's the only theater they have. Right. So if they want to do theater, they're going to have to give up something to do mm-hmm. it. Um, and Lancaster, that's not the case. No. So when somebody comes and complains to me about another theater, I say, stop complaining because in Lancaster, you can find what makes you happy. Right. Um, you can find it. So like I'm like, don't work for them. A very, you know, don't work for them again and go find the one that makes you happy. But then I see on Facebook that they work there anyway. Uh, right. later, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, so all that to say, <clears throat> in Lancaster, there, there is a place for both. And I feel like in the world, there's a place for both. Right. Um, you just have to work a little bit harder at it and find it. And you have to know, like all things, you can't wing it. You can't go in unprepared to face a spiritual battle. Um in any situation, right? And theater, not ex- you know, not excluding theater, um, you can't go into a theater uh, that you don't know without being ready to fight, um, without being equipped with the armor and, and to 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 tackle it with um, a, a strong hold on your on your belief system and your faith. 
and that's going to mean different things to different people. Yep. Uh, it's going to, ha- you know, th- that that boundary is going to be very different for different people. But you have to know what's important to you. You have to communicate openly. Um, people are afraid to communicate. They, they they get a contract and they think I either have to take it or not take it, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to negotiate. Negotiate. Even and, and it's still negotiating to simply say like, look. And I've I've had people, uh, students or whatever, reach out to me and say like, how do I handle this? Like. Okay, I got a role, and there's a you know uh, there's a there's a kiss in it, and I don't feel comfortable doing that. Then tell them, mm-hmm. tell them upfront before you accept the contract, and say, look, I'd love to just talk about this. And if the person entertains the conversation and, and understands, that means they're a great director or producer. Right. If they don't, you didn't want to work there in the first place. Consider that a blessing in disguise, um, or a blessing up front, I guess, mm-hmm. because. That, now, that now you know. Yeah, they, they, yeah, and so, so, um, so there's always going to be challenges uh, along the way. But the Christian world of of um, artists has grown extensively over the last ten years. Yes. Uh, even in New York City, uh, there's oh, really? there's large population of Christian performers, um, which is so so amazing. And I see them. You know, they fi- they're finding ways to connect uh, through the even the different Broadway theaters. Um, a, a buddy of mine who's who's doing Lion King uh, right now. He posts on social media a group of actors that he's doing like a worship night with, um, and I was like, it's so cool, it's so refreshing, and it's so hopeful for these students who are saying to me like, can I do both? You know, can I have both in my life? And for me be, to be able to point to what's happening in the industry and saying, yeah, yeah, you can. It might be a little trickier. But once you land and once you once you find yourself established and, and you get your network of, of other believers, it's doable. So, yeah, always a challenge, but um, uh, but definitely doable. Being a Christian and working in society, at, at least in American culture as it stands right now, is one of the most uh, difficult to navigate things. Yeah. Um, and it's and so it is important to realize that yeah, you can do it. You just got to find the right spots. Right. Absolutely, you have to you have to put yourself in the right spot, um, and you you can't go in with Why? what with yeah you get you can't go in with one foot in the water like you have to you have to know exactly what it is that you're that you are willing to do and not do. So, what is one thing that you prepare uh, your Christian students for when they if they want to enter the secular world of theater? I say I say you have to find you have to have somebody that you can speak to um, as your as your going out into it like you don't want to go into it alone Mm. Um, you have to have a mentor or a connection or someone that you can be consulting on a regular basis and saying this is what the environment is this is what i'm going through right now Um, if you're on your own there's so much temptation to fall into Mm -hmm. that pattern as acceptable and uh, and then ultimately you know be going against your faith uh, yep. and making compromises from from your belief system. So, I think accountability is a big thing, um, which is why I say like you know call me, you know let me know, text me if you have an issue, if you're going through an audition or whatever. Um, so, but a lot of them have strong networks with each other already, and that's nice to see. Yeah, one thing about Lancaster is it's it's relatively easy within the theater world to get uh, to network. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows each other. We all know each other, yeah. And it's everyone's super supportive of each other within a theater community. So it's it's really a special. I, I've never been to a place that's like that where where not. A, I've been to places where everyone knows each other, but not not so much supportive of each other. Correct. Yep. Um, this is truly a special place where people from uh, Science Sound like, oh yeah, serve and stage. I love them. Or yeah. oh, the folded. Th- yeah, they they do great stuff. Yeah. And it, it's uh. It's never more of a competition. It's just more of a community. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. It is. I I love that. It's definitely the definitely on the performer side, um, and even even some with with the actually administrative or production teams side of things. I'd love to see that grow more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I there's always times where I want to have more conversations and relationships with other artistic directors and um, other pr- uh, producing teams and things like that with the theaters because the actors do a really good job of it, yes. um, of supporting one another and supporting each other in, in the different theaters. That's that's something I, I want to grow into as this podcast grows is to bring in different artistic directors of from Science Sound to Dutch Apple right. uh, and Kavad. Um, I would love to ha- bring them in and just have a conversation of like, 
you know, uh, what's what's your view of things? How do you do things? What are some strengths that you can learn from them? What are some weaknesses that you've noticed in other places? Yeah, and and just really build a stronger community because imagine imagine all the good you could do. Say, say if you like put a, a music festival together and then you have uh, a song from Sight and Sound's new musical, yeah, a song from Sermon Stages, uh, pr- production that they're doing. Uh, like even original show, or you have, and then you have a Dutch Apple production, a Kavad yeah. production, and yeah, ha- and it's just a, a theater cabaret, yeah, of of music. I feel like that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be, and there's been glimmers of it in the past. I, I for a, a few years, the Fulton did a, an event, um, showcasing some of the. Or I think they had an event at the Fulton, but they brought in uh, all the theater companies. I know we went and did a number for that. Um, yeah, I wish there was more more of that happening. Uh, COVID really actually helped in some way <clears throat> the uh, theaters kind of look at one another. There was a lot of communication during COVID, mm. um, even even like websites and publications out that would sort of connect uh, the, a lot of the theaters so that people could be saying like, well, what, what's everybody doing? You know, what are you learning from this? What are we learning from this? You know, a lot of co- phone calls to other uh, companies and things like that to see to see if we could all get through it together. Well, if you'd be interested, and in, in I'm because these are bigger plans that I have in the future to put together festivals. If you'd be interested, let me know. We'll I'll, do, yeah, in all the spare time, yes. yes um, but right. uh, but absolutely, I, 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 we'd love to be a part of that in some way. Yeah, all my future plans are like 2024, 20, <laughs> because it, I, I don't, you, people don't realize how long it takes to get stuff together. Yeah. It, like yeah. seasons are planned way in advance, right? Right. And uh, like I already know, Sight and Sounds already has their next show, yeah. a few shows, a yeah. little lined up or in in the process. So it's it is an immense amount of work, and uh, it's it's so funny emailing or messaging uh, like the Dutch Apple Theater. They were like, "I'm sorry, but we're way too busy." And I was like, "I know, I planned for this. I'm scheduling <laughs> out into July." <laughs> yeah. No, you're good at that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's. It's been uh, a lot of fun and, and uh, to reach out to different theaters and see what's going on, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to get out and experience the arts in a way that you really couldn't do ten or so years ago. No, it's there's there's more there's more shows going on than there are days in the week. Uh, right, week, so it's you you have to pick and choose. You do, yes. And even with like open mics, there are you have to pick and choose which ones you have to go to because there's just so many. Right. And right. it's and it's it's awesome to see, but on some level, it's also like, I wish there was less. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's so it's it's ultimately very good. What is um one thing? This is probably the last question I'm going to ask you. What is one thing that uh, really that you really learned during COVID? Uh, was it the community aspect was it was it something did was it something that changed for sermon stage after covid um no i mean other than the logistical like, like what, what we what we were putting out uh during covid was all of the virtual content which was something none of us were trained to do mm-hmm. and i think that that probably goes industry-wide or even worldwide is is how many um businesses and and professionals and people had to learn new ways of doing things. They had to learn new skills. Um, so that was a big thing for us as we were, you know, basically three of us were producing these virtual concerts uh, every week and none of us, I mean, we all kind of knew how to turn the computer on and like, you know, right. it, it, receive a video and put it in this. And, you know, so the, a lot of the guys were uh, much better at that end of things uh, than I was, but it was still just three of us putting those together. Um, so doing things we never thought we would do. Um, but in terms of the start of the finish uh, of COVID, um, it felt like Servant Stage's mission was very equipped to handle it mm. um, in, a, in our mission of accessibility. Uh, it was how can we continue to, to reach um, our community? Um, and coming out of it, uh, again, it just reinforced the need for community, mm. how how much the arts were needed uh, in the community. Uh, people longed to be back in the theater and back out into the real world and back out into entertainment and uh, back out among, you know, 
the, among the community, you know, right. seeing shows together and things like that, things that we always took for granted. Um, and so as we watched the numbers come in on the virtual performances and got letters and, and got emails and messages about how much people were struggling through it all, um, obviously people's mental health and things like that became really powerful uh, and really important, uh, intentional. So <clears throat> I think that's something that has come out of um, that whole that whole season was the, the sort of the country and, and society's take on mental health and the importance of it and not not ignoring mm. it. Um, so that's again something that I I personally became even more invested in uh, after that with in terms of my students and making sure that they were uh, taking care of themselves because um, it's hard for adults, but it was so much harder for young people. Young people. Um, and, lost and, so much valuable time of their yeah, youth. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and so, um, yeah. So, I think we're still learning what came out of uh, that season of COVID. Um, mm. But I think that, um, yeah, a lot of it uh, is just a nice refocus for everybody to say how important it is of what we do. Um, we can forget how important theater is uh, or the arts are. Um, right. But uh, it it really is something that does bring people together. Uh, and takes care of their mental health by challenging them and by giving them a break, maybe, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, getting them out amongst other people and and giving them some enjoyment and laughter that's needed. Get some escapism, um, yeah, a little bit. Absolutely, uh, in it, moderation, but it but it's all very, yeah. it's all very good. Um, so it it was just it it was it was refreshing to welcome them back into the theater and to feel that joy of them returning to theater and they're still, they're still getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we're well on our way to, to the return of, of all of that. Well, with that said, this has been an awesome time. So fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'd love to have you on again to talk about stuff we, we missed out on. Um, you can find, uh, Wally at server stage, their website, servantstage.org. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. Yeah. And you, uh, the upcoming shows, Newsies. Yes, come see us next Friday, a week from Friday. We open. All right. Well, with that said, this has been the Story Podcast with Corey Rosen. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the story. Corey Rosen, that's C O R Y R O S E N. You can follow us on Spotify. You search the same, same thing, the story, Corey Rosen, and all streaming platforms. You can find us there. Soon we'll be uploading clips to YouTube. And we'll be there as well. So with that said, I hope you guys all have a great, wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye.